Hello, I'm Laura Furiosi, divorced mother of three, and I'm here with my mother, Lynette Galvin, with 35 years' experience in family law. You're listening to the Divorce Course Podcast. Through our candid discussions, we hope to help you through your divorce or de facto separation. We will be answering the most commonly asked questions and covering the stages and steps that you will face on your way to freedom. How do you know what's important in your case or not? There may be some events that have occurred in your journey that have really upset you, but they may not actually matter in the court's eyes. So today we're going to be discussing the things that aren't important in the eyes of the family court or may not be. Hi, Mum. Hello, Laura. <laughs> so, Hello, everyone. That's a bit of a mouthful to try and explain. It is, isn't it? But basically, you can tell it to the judge is something that maybe your clients have yelled over their shoulders to their exes. <laughs> or thought it, at least. Or where they've gone, ah, oh, just tell it to the judge. Yeah. And what do you mean by that? Yeah. So it, it's really what evidence you bring to your case if you're in court, like what you, what you focus on in your affidavit and in any of the documents for mediation. Mm-hmm. Some of the things people think are like real gotcha moments mm. don't actually have any impact. So you need to know what things are not important so you can focus on the stuff that is. Mm. Have you seen in the past at mediations or in affidavits Mm. maybe where where someone's just written all the stuff that really matters to them but you're just reading it going on, none of this is relevant? I completely missed the point. And it's it's only human. I understand that, you Mm. know, but but you really, um, if you're going to win a case, you've got to show the judge or the mediator the factors that will impact properly Mm. um, in the eyes of the court. So you've really got to look at the sections, if it's property, section 79, 75, and and the de facto equivalent, if it's kids, look at the law. And that is really, what the law is, is really a list of the things that really matter to the court. Okay. So today we're going to be listing through the things, the common things that we've discovered that Mm. people think that's going to matter Mm. in their mediation or in negotiations or in court, but in the end it doesn't mean squat. Yeah, that's right. And, I mean, people sometimes can't believe um, that it doesn't matter. Some of these doesn't matter. Yeah, so it's very hard to get your head around when you're in the moment. Yeah, and as a disclaimer, this Mm. is Australian and also it's general general advice advice. (laughs) because sometimes some of these things that we're going to list may matter in your case because it's in the context of something. Yeah, well, context is everything. And and sometimes a behaviour might sound petty and you might not think you need to worry about but if it's happening Mm. over and over and over again uh, and it's become... having an impact on people, mm. you know, like for example, um, I'm just giving an example for someone who, um, always checks, turns light switches off, turns the light switches off to save electricity. So what? That's not a problem. You know, that's not abuse. That's not anything. But if they do it incessantly so that it impedes their ability to, um, to function, <laughs> then okay. you might have to put it in. So yes. So this is general advice only yeah. okay. and be guided by your lawyer and your reading of the legislation. Yeah. But let's get into the law. Okay. So in, in order to not end up with an affidavit or in a mediation or in negotiation, arguing things that are irrelevant or technically not relevant to the law, mm. let's start. We've got, we're going to do it in three different parts. We're mm. going to do uh, things about the kids, yeah. things about property, and then we're going to do a little bit about uh, court as well, yeah. things okay. in court. So first of all, let's go down the, the kids' family life rules yeah. situation. So number one. Everybody thinks the court is, or the judge or the mediator is going to care about cheating. Yeah. Oh, that's, is that about kids? 
Well, cheating. Unless they make new kids, I guess. <laughs> but are they? Do they? Does no. Does it matter? No. It, are you sure? Absolutely certain. So you're telling me that if you went to mediation and you're like, but he cheated on me, it's you don't get a extra bit of um, anything. No. Look, honestly, to to lawyers that goes in one ear and out the other. Okay. Um, because uh, not that we don't care, but the act it's doesn't care. Horrible. Because it is. A no-fault divorce system we have. Okay. And if, if our listeners think it's not fair, um, I think it's because you don't understand the old laws that we had, which were terrible, where you had to prove cheating to be able to get a divorce mm. or desertion or cruelty, and that was really hard on everybody. Yeah. So this... This no-fault divorce that we have now mm-hmm. means that as long as you've been separated for 12 months, uh, you can get a divorce and uh, so yeah, it does, no fault. So I know with the divorce, but with children's matters, if mm. if your ex has cheated on you, so that doesn't affect you? No, no. Does it show the type of person they are? No. So that doesn't matter either? No. Okay, so you're, you're going to have to lump that up and go, all right, I'll be telling that to my mum, my friends. Yes. But don't bother telling it to judge but probably in context you put it in there or they really just don't no, care I, I seldom mention it right so it's it's usually the narrative is we started living together on this date we separated on that day mm-hmm. and the why doesn't matter and when you think of it from the court's point of view they can't get into it mm. you know it's mm. not relevant it's a no fault okay um and so um and that it it's just a waste of everyone's time to put the details in okay all right Another one that we get asked all the time mm. is they get a new boyfriend or they get a new girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, does the court care about that or does it matter in mediation or negotiations? That you're talking in context of the kids. Yes. So, like, they person. go, oh, they've got, like, a girlfriend, a new girlfriend every five weeks or they've got mm. a, they've got a new girlfriend, she's moving in, my kids aren't comfortable with them yet. All of that. Oh, it's so sad, isn't I know. it? She's... You know, I've had them where, where the new person's already in the room, in the in the family bed, in the matrimonial bed within a oh, week or two. Boom. If you've left. Uh, no, you can't. And that would really matter. Like oh it would really gosh. matter. But in, in, in the eyes of negotiation and mediation, mm. they'd be yeah. like, tell it to the judge, no one's going to care. Because, because the court accepts that people have different styles of parenting. Mm. People aren't supposed to go into suspended animation. Mm. Um, it is a bit thoughtless of that person to inflict that on the children, and uh, but but the court doesn't want each party reaching out beyond their own marriage to try to control what the other person does. Yeah. Okay. All so right. You just have to meditate and let that go. <laughs> yes. All right. Or talk to your friends. Complain. Yep. Write it. Write it in your diary. All right. The next one that you've told me that they don't care about and it's not really worth even arguing in mediation is the care for the kids when they have a babysitter. Oh, yeah. So I've, I've, we've had a lot of people write in and go, well, he asked for 50-50. He's got 50-50 at the moment, but when he does have them, they've got a nanny or a babysitter and he's never there. He never sees them. He doesn't mm. do anything with them or or they go over their place and he's not there. He just leaves some food on the table for them kind of yes. thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So you're telling me that doesn't matter. No, well, it never actually happens that way. Yeah. Yeah. The, the children, so it used to matter. The court used to say, look, um, you're not 
if you're not having the children, Mm -hmm. if you're not with them, focusing on them, then all you're doing is depriving the other parent of time with the children, so give them back. Mm. But now the court says it's better for the kids to experience normal life in both households, whatever that looks like. (laughs) And so if it's that, you know, grandma comes over and minds them all day and, and, and your ex still goes out, um, partying. At partying once a week or twice a week, that doesn't matter. As long as the children are cared for in a sort of fashion. And if you think about it, you wouldn't want the other person saying, oh, you know, she had the kids and she went to a pottery class. How bad's that? She mm. left the kids with the neighbour, you know, like, mm. no. So wait, so, that used to happen in court. Oh, my word. And, and why did it change? Well, just practicalities, okay. I think. And and a, a slew of cases that and studies um, that said that the children are better to experience normal life mm-hmm. with each family. So otherwise uh, the person who used to get them who was constrained in what they could do would put their own life in suspended animation and the kids would have the best time, like <laughs> absolutely focused. And then they go back to the the sort of regular parent mm. who's going, have you done your homework yet? Empty the dishwasher. So, you know, you ended up with the Disneyland-type family mm. and then you ended up with the other one. So the, so I remember Judge Bell. He said, kids deserve to know both parents, warts and all. And I think um, especially as time got longer, it wasn't just like a little cameo performance where they went over for from Saturday morning to Sunday night. Mm. It's when they were living a whole week there. You couldn't expect someone not to work. That's true. Yeah. That's true. I okay. think it's more normal. So it, it doesn't matter too much really. I guess you could use it in negotiations to say, hey, do you want What's me to look the after point? the kids? Yeah, that's right. Uh, because you need to get a babysitter. Do you want me to do it? Mm-hmm. Um, it that might upset them. It though, might. But, but the judges are going to care. No. The, and it, you know the other thing, Laura, is that when the, when the Family Law Act started, mm. a lot of people had kind of more traditional roles where the mother was always home mm-hmm. and the father usually did the work. Mm-hmm. And so it with the mum sitting home twiddling her thumbs, it just made sense that she'd be the one who was minding the kids if you were going. And they have that first. If you really care about that sort of stuff, you can have a clause in that set and you can argue or negotiate for what they call first right of refusal. So mm-hmm. if the other person has to go somewhere, um, you they have to say to you, tell you and give you the option to mind the kids for them before they go to grandma or the neighbour or daycare. Wow. So people do that sometimes, but it does make for awkward conversations if you're not getting along. Well, every single time you want to go away for the weekend yes. or romantic getaway and you've got the kids, you have to message your ex and say, hey, <laughs> I'm going to get a babysitter for the kids. Do you want them? Because, yeah. like, that would be hard. It- I, w- I wouldn't be putting that in an order. <laughs> um, that's not for me. No, no. Okay. Um, okay. What if and this is there's two more for the kids ones mm-hmm. uh what if the kids routine is so totally different at one house it always is and like they stay up until midnight um they get <laughs> up at nine and get to school just on time um but at your place you know you, you're working really hard to let them have a a nice sleep and a yes a nice bedtime at like eight you know what what's what's the what's the thing there yeah well again the children are being a court accepts that kids uh, should be um exposed i guess to both parenting styles Mm -hmm. and both parents have different styles and even if 
when you were together, you were both in lockstep about bedtimes, meal times, and all of that. Generally, when they separate, uh, people um, either become a bit oppositional and change all of that just because they can, mm. or they were never really on board with it anyway. Oh, that was more his thing than mine. I'm, I'm doing it this way, um, and the kids adapt and, and you can't control care. the other party no you can't okay. say like if it's really important stuff like taking medication mm. or maybe a medically um uh required diet or treatment regime that's one thing but mm. if it's just discretionary things like how much ipad they can do and okay and when their time's up for bed you can't control that so the children very quickly learn it's two different rules in two different houses and they're fine with that. They adapt. I mean, it would be great in an ideal world if both parents could still have the same rules, the same routines and everything. That would be best for everybody. Absolutely. But I understand that there's a lot of people that just can't do that. Yeah. So I, don't feel bad. I don't I don't ever see those people because they don't need lawyers. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. That's true. Okay, last one in the tell it to the judge. Mm-hmm. Uh, pick up and drop off, hand over. They're 10 minutes late. Yeah, forget or about it. there's a phone call and it's they're 10 minutes late. Yeah, no, don't waste the court's time. So the time. judge does not care? No, and you, you do run a risk of sounding a little bit petty. However, if the 10 minutes late meet you miss the plane yeah. or, or <laughs> yeah. something, then that's why this is general advice or, only. Or what if it's 10 minutes late every single time? For two years, or is it still doesn't really matter? It doesn't really matter. You just okay. adapt and adjust. So it would really bug you, like really, mm. really bug you. But I guess, um, and we've talked about this in the narcissist oh playbook playbook. Or yes. no, no, with um Mia who does the Grey Rock Consulting. Oh, she yes. said, uh, you've got to learn how to, to change what you're doing to accommodate for the stuff. So if it if you've got a narcissistic type mm. X, and they deliberately make the kids 10 minutes like because they know you're going to be doing something and they they want to still mess with you then just instead of arguing with them and demanding that they definitely be there on time just make sure you organize things that give that buffer of of them being late I guess so you change change what you can do because you can never change them no that's exactly right and and you could and if you complain about it it just um if they're doing it to annoy you, they that's go, why, aha. That's why, that's <laughs> why they're doing it. They yeah. want you to complain. Yeah. And if you complain about it to the court, frankly, it just does sound petty. Okay. Mm. All right. So let's go into property. We've used this argument before, and I actually do think we use the other term, but we're going to be politically correct, Mum. <laughs> we're going to call it the lazy as argument. Yes. When it comes to property, negotiations, mediations, or court, mm. Why does the court not care about the lazy as argument and what is it? Okay, so the lazy as argument uh, usually comes down to when we're trying to calculate contributions, non-financial contributions during the marriage. The argument that my clients, both sexes, both genders say is, uh, oh, they just you know, were lazy as the whole marriage. They never did anything. They just sat on that chair and I did this and I did that. The court doesn't accept that. You know, the person who who is there presumably does something and you just sound like you're being a bit dramatic Mm. and you can't discount uh, the contribution of someone who uh, is living in the house if, if they're not working 
Uh, they just do. They just so do. do even if, even if, and I believe some people that they they just have just sat there. Yep. Um, like I heard of a case where the the man in the UK pretended he was deaf and blind. <laughs> So that he could just sit. <laughs> and Tenetti, she's suing him in the UK. Um, he he pretended he was deaf and blind, so he just sat there and did nothing. So, but that's an extreme <laughs> thing. But imagine that there are. I know there are some people out there that just don't do anything at all. Yeah, they don't they, work. They don't. They don't clean the kitchen. They don't. they do the with dishes. The kids. They, don't, they yeah. don't do anything. But even then, the, you can't just say they did nothing. You okay. can say that the better way of t- saying it to the judge is that that you say I did the majority of the work and then go into ex- explanation like I'd go to work um, when I got home, I'd come home at this time, I'd put dinner on, I'd put a load of washing on, I'd do this, I'd do that, that sort of thing. Just just list the stuff you did mm. is a better way of doing it. To point and, out how much yeah. you did in the so contribution. It, it's really difficult for the court to accept uh, both parties didn't contribute equally non-financially. Okay. Okay, so if if, it, if they really were lazy as. What if they were in a coma? Oh, well, then your contribution's higher. Okay. All right, because yeah. that, that's provable. They did yes. absolutely nothing. That's they were right. in a coma. Or they were overseas for some of the trip. I okay. worked in the mines. The court would accept that as well. Okay. And also post-separation, of course, when you're, when you're not together, if you've got the kids say all the time you'll be working by yourself. It matters too with renovations and things like, you know, if, if you've been the one that did all the painting and choosing of stuff, um, but the other person might have helped select the cabinets and th- furniture and so forth. So, yeah, but it's I've never seen a case where there was zero contribution by a party found by the court. Okay. Mm. All right. And in negotiations and mediations, can they be like, look, you did nothing? Let's be oh. let's be honest. You did nothing, so maybe you know I should get a bit more. Or does that not no. work in mediation either? Yeah, if they can, they say that, but you go, no, I didn't. I was there. Okay. even if all that happened was when you went out or when they went out, they left the kids with you, mm-hmm. even if you were just sitting playing games. Okay, yeah, it's it's a contribution, right? The next thing that tell it to the judge, you earned more during the marriage, or they earned more during oh, the marriage. So is- in property, does that matter? No, it's a that's a big thing because even some lawyers send me spreadsheets of how much their client earned in a given year compared to how much your client earned in a given year. Really? Other yeah. lawyers? Yes, I know. So is this controversial what you're saying or are they just no, uneducated I lawyers? Re- I re-educate them. Okay. But it's it's um so because you it's easy to interpret the financial contribution um question when the court looks at contributions. Um, as, well, how much money did you bring in? But that's not the point of um, lump sum contribution. And as long as each of the parties is putting all of their salary towards the family or most of their salary, then they're contributing equally. And that's uh, my example I always use, and I've probably used it on this already, is if someone is a neurosurgeon and the partner is a cleaner at the same hospital or different hospital, their salaries would be wildly different um, but they're both giving their their whole efforts to raising, you know, to bringing money in, mm-hmm. in according to their capacity, I guess, to earn. All right. Okay. So the who earns most argument doesn't fly 
All right. This one's interesting. This is Mm. the swings and roundabouts one that you talk about that I'm like, whoa. Um, And it's in regards to business. Yes. So so you're saying in a family business, Mm. can you explain what it is that the court's like, well, you're invited to our free webinar. Whether you're stuck at the beginning of deciding to divorce or you're struggling to find your way through the legal jargon and fear of the unknown of the legal process, we are here to empower you to take control. Join us to learn what steps you can take, followed by a live Q&A where you get Lynn, my amazing mum, and family law accredited specialist to answer your questions. All you have to do is go to www.thedivorcecourse.com.au and click on Reserve My Seat. Register now for our free webinar to help you make the best decision for your future. We'll see you there. Hurry, spaces are limited, so don't miss out. Register today. This one's interesting. This is Mm. the swings and roundabouts one that you talk about that I'm like, whoa. Um, And it's in regards to business. Yes. So so you're saying in a family business, Mm. can you explain what it is that the court's like, well, deal with it, it swings and roundabouts. So you'll often get people arguing that when, particularly when a business goes bad, oh, it wasn't my idea. That was the other person's complete idea. It was nothing to do with me. Um, and I'm not going to accept that losses. We had this much money before they started that business and now we've got that much money. It's not my fault. I want it taken off their share or a negative contribution. And the judges um, over the years have just developed a kind of a, oh, really, attitude because um, and the the classic response is, well, I suppose if the business made money, you'd have your hand out for a share of that business. And, and that's the truth. Mm. So the court assumes during a relationship, if you're in the marriage together um, and, and you were around when this business was done, then it's, um, you know, it's yours and the other person's, whether it lost money or made money. So if it's got debts, they're joint debts. If it's got, yeah, that's general advice. So by and large, that is the case. So what about if the other person, and we know some members, and where they they don't have any idea what's going on in the business, mm. but, but it is a family business. But they've yeah. been kept out well, and they don't know and it's not really their fault. <laughs> Listen to your I'm honour. Just saying, it's not really I'm their fault. I'm just saying they didn't what everybody says. So I'm, I'm saying what I know people are thinking right now in the, in the in course. The yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, the talk court takes a bit of a hard-nosed look at that still. And right. they say, so the old, there's an old saying, I'm surprised you didn't know it, swings and roundabouts. And, and the full saying is uh, what you lose on the swings, you make up on the roundabouts. And so at the court, that's an expression. It that still doesn't make use. sense it, just quietly. Well, it kind of. What do you lose on you a take swing? The, oh, don't be literal. No, but mum, what do you lose <laughs> on a swing? Nothing. And what do you get on a roundabout? Nothing. You go back to the start. It's a stupid saying. That's okay. why it's not used anymore. Okay. But anyway, but, but But, yes, so you just take life's ups and downs together and you have to, while you're together, and the court's rather hard-nosed approach seems to be that if you're, if you've stayed, then you're agreeing. Right. If you don't agree, leave. Right. And if you don't know, find out. And the court's a bit the attitude has been a little bit um, unaware, I guess, of how someone can be so vulnerable and so coerced that they can't find out. Well, hopefully the courts will wake up to that. Is it only that they don't care when it's during the marriage? What about after you've separated Ah. and they like, 
deliberately do, st- do or stuff. St- well, not just deliberately. Or stuff they, up. If they recklessly. So there's a really fabulous case of Kowali. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's K-O-W-A-L. Oh, yes. You yep. gave that to one Kowali. of the members. <laughs> I, yeah, but just issued it to one of the members, sent them a copy of the case. Um, in that case, uh, the facts were that the um, the husband, I think, um, he had uh, control, I guess, of one of their rental properties mm. uh, after separation and it took a while to get to court. And so he let, from memory, he let some friends move in to rent the place, but he didn't organise a proper rent agreement and they actually didn't pay any rent. And I'm not sure, but it, I think they actually trashed the place huh, so nice. that the parties actually had less assets than they would have had if he'd been properly diligent and, and done that. And so, uh, and, it, and if he'd done a proper agreement and managed the house property properly. And so that has gone in as a kind of negative contribution Right. And that lowers his other contributions. So I think they took a few percent off him because of that silly behaviour. So they do care if it happens after. Oh, if he'd yes. done that when she was married and not separated, they would have gone, well, well, you, well, were, you were there. Him. You're yep. an idiot. Okay. Yep. All right. You're an idiot. <laughs> You're an idiot. No, it was no, a joint no one's decision. Yeah, yeah, it was a joint decision. And to be fair, if it happens in the marriage, sometimes people just don't have any say. And in those situations. I know. But we, how do you prove that? I don't know. Well, I think we're beginning to understand coercive control mm. and power imbalances. And it's going to take a while, though, for the court to filter that through, I think, into property decisions during the marriage. Right. Okay. Oh, well, that's hopeful, but it's always evolving as well. Swings and roundabouts, whatever that means. (laughs) I'm going to Google it. Um, Okay. Next one. Now we're going to talk about things the judge doesn't care about if you're in court. Now, again, it's all general advice. This is Australia Mm. and it's just things that you've observed. Don't call us if, if a judge says, Hang on a minute. Yes. So, and don't say to a judge, I heard on the Divorce Course podcast because we also. General advice only. This is general advice. It's just mum. But by and large. By and large. This is what you've seen. Okay. So, one of the things you've said here is making excuses to a judge for not following court directions. Mm. So, people go to a thing called a mention. Yes. or a directions hearing, yep. and they say, you've got to do this document and this document by this date, yes. you've got to do this and this by this date, and then you turn up to the next court event and you haven't done it, mm-hmm. can you give excuses to the judge where, they'll, where they will care or most of the time it's in, they don't care? It would better be a good excuse. A That's really all good I'm excuse. Saying. Yeah, because yeah. even if you're self-represented, the court expects you to comply um, because – they used to call them directions years ago um, where you're directed to file a document at a certain time and directed, and they still have little remnants of that. Um, but I think it was the 2006 amendments, they changed the impact of a, of a direction, which is more like a, a suggestion with a strong, strong emphasis from a judge to an order. So they are actually now orders of the court. And it's just as bad as not perhaps not going to a parenting course when you're ordered to go. Mm. So so the judges actually order you to file these documents on a particular time. Mm. And it may be if your failure to file documents is going to derail that little hearing or that case that the court may order 
that you pay the other person's costs that are wasted. So even if you're self-represented, you'd better have a jolly good excuse for not getting a document in on time. There's a lot to be said for doing it early. Have you ever seen a a lawyer try to make an excuse for not having documents? Oh, always. Really? Uh, Yes, always. And what does the occupational habit judges say to that? Well, they won't. They won't claim that they they won't make the client pay if it's been the lawyer's stuffer, mm. um, and they won't criticise too much. Uh, but um, now they can award costs against lawyers. Wow. So we're all on Yikes. notice. <laughs> yes, we're all on notice to comply with the court directions. And remember, every lawyer is an officer of the court. So they're our bosses <laughs> mm, mm. and we just have to. So you'll find um, lawyer, most lawyers are like sweating blood mm. if a deadline's coming up. And, and you said this yeah. before. You said if you want the courts to listen, hand yes. your documents in on but time. You go in like the good kid in class. Yeah. You've handed your assignment in, your nice clean face, good shoes, good, like nice clothes. <laughs> you turn up on time and you be polite. You stand up straight. Yep, and be polite and you do so your that you have nothing for the court to To criticise you you about. And, I mean, that's stuff you can control. Mm. When a court is asked to make a decision about children or property, um, all you can do is give your best case and hope it works out. Mm. But as for obeying the court orders for filing and that, you can do that and you can do it well and give yourself the best prospects Mm. then of the court thinking favourably of you, of a judge or a registrar thinking favourably of you. And also... If the other person files on time and you don't, you start off on the wrong foot. Yeah. 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 And it's very nerve-wracking. So Right. Okay. Now we should do another whole like a, <laughs> a whole episode on what they do care about, but that is literally just the Family Law Act section. Well, this, the various sections, 79 for marriages, uh, section 60 for children, and if it's a de facto relationship, section 90. Yeah. Okay, because that is a list of everything they care about. Yeah. When you look at law, if you look at law and you look at the sections, they're all broken into A, B, C, D, or 1, 2, 3, 4. Um, that's really, we should call it, this is what the court cares about. Yeah. Or yeah. Only talk to the court about these things. Yes. Don't waste your breath on anything else. Yeah. And that's what relevant and pertinent is. Again, general advice only, but you can't really go wrong Mm. with doing it like a child almost. Do a grid up if you're doing your own court stuff. Now let's talk about the different personality types because we don't do that as much as we we should. Yeah, you're right. Naughty us. Um, So when it's tell it to the judge stuff. Yes. And it's in regards to maybe the children, the property, mm. and you've got an avoidant yes. person. Is there anything you ca- that the judge would care about or well, the mediation they don't, would care about? If they don't about? file their documents on time. Yeah. Uh, if they um, don't turn up. So so that that does have an, yep. an impact. And sometimes an avoidant person's conduct would result in a loss to you. Mm. You know, like th- maybe there was a contract on the house when it w- the prices were up and he wouldn't sign or she wouldn't sign it. Mm. That's that's relevant to the court because that's post-separation. What if they don't turn up to mediation? Whoa, bad job. Okay, yeah. so that won't look good on them? No, and if they don't file their documents, I mean, I asked a judge the other day um, to note that if the person didn't file, they didn't file the first time. If they don't file the next time, I wanted an undefended hearing. Mm. In other words, they just 
the court Listen just looks at your documents. Yes. So there's big risks there. So As avoidant people may find themselves uh, getting orders made against them, even if they didn't turn up. And that's, what about disclosure? So in mediation or negotiations, mm. the avoidant person, they might not be a horrible person. They just don't want to deal with mm. it. And they don't give you any disclosure. Does that matter in the court? Oh, cool. Well, it the can slow you down. And in mediation, it can make you stuck. Uh, but your best bet is then to not think about disclosure. So disclosure for our listeners is when um, each of you gives the other person all of the documents you've got, whether they're electronic or real, like here are my bank statements for the last 12 months, here's my pay slip, here's my tax returns, um, If you here's my super. If they don't give it to you, uh, it, your whole case can be sort of stuck and the court might punish them financially, like make them pay your costs, but you're still stuck in limbo. Mm. So then I like to think about how can I find that out without going through them? And you, there's lots of things you can do. And we've got an episode called mm. DIY Disclosure yes. where mum gives all her tricks and tips. And how to find it so out. So I yep. will put that in the show notes so you can listen to that next in, if yeah. you are in that spot. Including... <laughs> including if they won't give you a value for something, just putting some really high value on it. Exorbitant like, high yeah, value. Not 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 ridiculous, but I'll possible high values. And you'll pretty <laughs> quickly find out they'll prove to the contrary. No, 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 it's not worth that. Yes, general advice only. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, that's avoidant. What about manipulative and controlling? Do Does the judge care about anything when it comes to having a manipulative or controlling ex? Um, I think that they tend to lie Mm. in their material and you won't find out, the judge won't find out until the final hearing that it's a lie because they'll just, you know, put whatever they want to in the affidavit. So, What about a mediation? Yeah, the same thing. They'll often not mediate properly because they're they're wanting to mess with you, Mm. you know, and they want it their way. You can still do things to sort of... You but know, you can't really tell through. the judge or oh, in the mediation they messed around and wasted No, the you day. can't because mediation is completely confidential. But if the judge, if you if you end up with a manipulative controlling person and they don't care about them cheating, they don't care about the impact on you, they don't care about the new boyfriend, they don't mm. care about the babysitter, um, do they care about the lying? It's, it's one way um, that you can get your case across. So if you can prove any of the things are actually lies, mm. um, manipulative and controlling people often sort of do half-truths and mm. leave things out. But if you can catch them out in one or two lies, um, usually by documentation you've got, mm. then the court will then uh, usually have doubts about everything else they said, um, even if you can't disprove it. And what they call that is his, his or her credit is damaged. Mm. And so whenever the court has your word against their word, uh, the court should prefer yours because you haven't been proven to lie, but they have been proven to lie. Actually, lying in court's absolutely fatal. If you get caught out on anything. You don't get the death sentence. No, no, no. no, no. (laughs) But it's really bad for your case. Once you tell a fib and you get proven to have told that fib, Mm. every other time there's a conflict between what you say and the other person says, um, 
the court's going to prefer the person's evidence who hasn't been caught out in a lie so far. Well, there's a plus to anybody who's dealing with a horrible narcissist or manipulative controlling person. You just got to wait till the end. That's the trouble. And that's the hardest thing. That's the hard. That's really hard. It's really hard. And I've been there to read an affidavit where it says something awful about you and you know it isn't true. And you're so upset because you know this person knows you better than that. And you can probably prove it, you can, but but you have to prove it at the end end or when you get the chance to. So I guess those people, if you're listening, Stand your ground, mm. hold your truth, keep your keep your stuff together. Don't lose, yeah. don't go mental, and uh, like don't lose it. Yeah. And then hopefully, when you get to the end, it'll all come out. Yep. They'll lose their credit, whatever that yeah. means, and <laughs> and there's the, swings and roundabouts. The judge won't have the, <laughs> no. the judge won't have any confidence in what they say. And it's always fun to get a manipulative and controlling fun. person in the witness box because. They won't answer a question straight answer. Right. And so you'll ask them something and you can see their mind working and saying, what is, why is she asking me that question? What's the best answer to give? Yeah. And you can see it on their faces. Yeah. And you can see them give sort of half questions. Mm. And so it's easy to trick them. You ask a few straightforward questions and they're they're vague and dodgy with the answers and nothing upsets a judge more than that Mm -hmm. because he's trying to find out. He or she. He or she is trying to find out what is the truth here. Yes. And so the barristers or solicitors are asking those questions to give the judge an answer. Yes. To that question. And if they go, it's kind of like they don't say it, but it's like, why? What have you heard? Mm. (laughs) Why? What have you? It's like a cat and mouse game. So you work, don't you? Oh, you could say that. (laughs) Really? I've seen that. (laughs) You work, don't you? You could say that. Okay. Well, you're on a high salary. I suppose so. I oh, mean, gosh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. So that's manipulative controlling. Mm-hmm. Sorry to those people out there. Hugs, big bits of hard. Hugs. You've got to hold on. Then you've got high conflict. High conflict. Yeah. Um, they usually will stop if you can produce the evidence on things, and but they will argue every blooming point. Right. And so you're going to have to anticipate that. The court will be just looking for the proof when right. it comes down to that. Um, there are some rules in place now to stop people arguing silly points, but I don't know how successful that's going to be because I've been doing this ever since nearly, well, 10 years after the Family Law Act was written and uh, people always want to argue silly points. So I guess high-conflict people probably would hang on to the cheating and the 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 babysitter issue and the business deal's gone wrong and who earned the most because that's something they can argue until they're blue in the face. That's right. And they can't settle because they want some sort of justice or yeah. whatever. So it's you've got to remind yourself if you've got a high conflict ex that you're dealing with, you can say, look, they can argue about all of this, mm. but tell it to the judge because yeah, they ain't going to care. It's not going to work. Yeah. yeah that's so I right. guess for the high conflict people, this is probably a really helpful episode because yeah. not everything needs to be a fight because when it comes down to it, yes, it's horrible or bad mm. things, whatever, but in the end, 10 minutes late to pick up or drop off. Isn't the end Tell of it the to the judge. Yeah. Don't bother fighting it. And a high conflict person, it's a good person um, usually to put an, your offers in mm. that show you being reasonable because some high conflict people, even if the offer's reasonable, unless there's some acknowledgement of, 
of the things they want clarified. Mm. They can't bring themselves to accept the offer, but at least get your offer in so that you can show the judge later. Now, lastly, amicable. So they're the people that are, yep, mm-hmm. we're, we're just doing this. We've got to get this sorted. Yeah. Is there anything in the tell it to the judge realm. issues realm mm. that, you know, they need to be mindful of? I think I think just stick to what, what the law requires. Don't put any gratuitous stuff in um, because that might turn them from amicable to right. something else. So I, I'm always quite thoughtful about what I put in. Present the case without stirring up too much trouble because if you're amicable but you're still in court it's just a difference of opinion mm. and you need an adjudicator yeah but so, you don't want to turn it from amicable uh, to, to nasty night high conflict yeah, yeah that's okay. right so i would say um as far as telling it to the judge um it's good to tell the judge all the things you do agree on yeah and you can narrow the issues and your lawyer can say your honor the parties agree on pretty well everything except how to treat this inheritance or what was their contribution or how to treat that business that went belly up during mm. their relationship. Mm. Mm. Okay. All right. Well. That'll keep your costs down. Yeah. So aim to not upset them. Aim mm. to try and keep it amicable by leaving these things out. If they <laughs> yes. just cheat on you, don't bring it back up because it doesn't really matter, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's absolutely. And don't exaggerate. I mean, you might still be hurt. Yeah. Of course you might still Of course. Be It'd be horrible. Yeah. stab in the chest. I chip. can remember one memorable case where <laughs> um, someone said, that they um, they went on a holiday with the children, but they only came out of their bedroom for meals. This was the ex with the new partner. Oh, gosh. And, of course, that's nonsense. Yeah. And it's so inflammatory and it's intrusive and it's irrelevant. It doesn't fit into any of the categories. Oh, as in they only came out of the bedroom for meals because <laughs> they were busy. In the bedrooms, not looking after ah. the children. But, you know, that's so unwarranted so- and it was so irrelevant to the court. It just upset them. It, yeah, and it just made So, yeah, it is. That a, if that, if that is true or if you thought that terrible. that's what happened, if the yeah. kids came back and told you that, you'd be like, oh, my goodness. How dare he? Get yourself or how dare sorted. She? That's terrible. Yeah. But inflaming the situation, telling the judge that yeah. <laughs> would be embarrassing for them, for you, yeah. and also make them angry. That's right. And remember, when, when you're telling it to the judge, all evidence in the family courts are done by affidavit. Mm. So once it's written down, it's been sent to your, put into the court, it's been sent to your own lawyer Mm. who's read it, the shame and it just feels, I I imagine it just makes it so much worse than Mm. if you you flung it to the other person on a phone call. Yeah. Yeah, and it came out. It's worse because there's random people you don't really know reading about what you've done. That's right, and it's there forever. But in saying that, don't hold back if they've done horrible things that do matter. That do matter, absolutely. But right. it, it is, a, I understand how hard it would be to deal with that when you're like, this is horrible. The, yeah. But, and again, we've talked about the pendulum of DV. If they've really yeah. upset you and everything they do now is just gets in your craw. But the thing is, you need to understand that for until you settle, until this is all over, mm. you've got to kind of try and not inflame it, not fan mm. the flames, not throw kindling on the fire because all it's doing is going to hurt you by making the argument mm. bigger or upsetting them more. Because you're like, I don't care. I'm cool if they're upset. They deserve to be upset. They stayed in a room for the whole holiday. But but in the end, it hurts you. It does, and it makes the matter drag on longer. Yeah. 
Um, when we talked about that DV pendulum, I might just quickly remind our listeners what yeah. that is. Yes. So, so when people have been through um, domestic violence, they often will come to me or come to their lawyers and be very timid, not wanting to do too much, probably taking a long time to go to the lawyer, and they're saying, oh, you know, my ex is really clever and, you know, I don't want to upset them. I, I, the classic is I don't want to touch his super or her super. I've agreed I won't touch her inheritance. Um, and then gradually as they've distanced themselves from the DV and they're getting a better perspective, they Maybe become more. counselling. Yeah, counselling. They become more sort of even about it, more even tempered about it. But unfortunately, one of the reactions to severe DV or DV is you then go beyond that to being hyper, I've observed it, that's been, they seem to be hyper um, triggered by anything the other side says. Mm. Oh, you know, why should I file a cost notice? He's always told me what to do or she's always telling me what to do. And so everything they tell you to do then feels like a continuation of the abuse. But it's very hard to deal with a person who's gone past the normal reactions to the very sort of um, defiant almost or or um, hypersensitive stage. So you, if you're doing that, you need to be aware of that and try to moderate your response at because least until until after. after the court case. Because really, what it's doing is making it worse mm. for you. And you've end. put up with a lot through the through the relationship if yeah. you've going through this, so you can continue. Yeah, the judge doesn't care about probably that it's not really in the Family Law mm. Act. It's it's something maybe that you need to just go and deal with it in a in a different environment. If there's something that's really bothered you that the Family Law Act doesn't really care about, go and see a friend, a psychologist, mm. your mum um, <laughs> or your dad or, you know, go and have a f- have a chat and, and get it out, vent it, journal it, whatever, um, but don't share your journal with anyone because mm. you don't want that ending up in court. But, but get it out but not in that space not in that environment because it's just going to make the situation worse and not on social media either yes good point <laughs> all right well thank you mum for giving us those tips because we do get a lot of those messages so i can now say listen to this episode yes um but if you are interested you can check out the www.thedivorcecourse.com.au and you can find our free checklists. You can also register for our webinar that's coming up or you can become a member and do our DIY divorce course. If you found this podcast helpful, we'd love it if you could rate, review and subscribe. By doing so, you are spreading the word to help someone else just like you. Lynn would like to remind you that this podcast is general advice only and you should always get legal advice in relation to your particular situation. And remember that the Australian laws may have changed since recording.